0: The Miami Dolphins are prepping for their second joint practice with the Atlanta Falcons today, and we're reacting to the major storylines out of yesterday's group of practices here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins.
1: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Kratz, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co host of Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I want to give a special shout out to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis here on the Locked On Network because we don't just say it, we live it. It's your team every day, every day, your team. Dolphins today uh, are getting ready for their second joint practice with the Atlanta Falcons. And I will not sit on this show and definitively tell you the Dolphins did or did not have a good practice yesterday because I wasn't there. But what I did do is I talked to four individuals who were, three of which are on the Dolphin side of things and have seen what the first two weeks have looked like the fourth of which was on the Atlanta side of things. And that's the luxury of being a guy who's been in the draft space for about 10 years is you have a lot of uh, people that you get to know in all of the markets where there's NFL teams. So I found out somebody that I knew and i have had a lot of football conversations with was in uh, Miami Gardens for that joint practice. And the general consensus across all four individuals, was that each respective defense won the day versus their respective offense on the other side of the football. Now, that's good news for the Dolphins. Uh, I think there's some uh, insights for the offensive side of the football for the Dolphins that we will talk about, but uh, let's keep the focus on the defensive side of things first. And you heard... Uh, A lot of chatter about the inability to push the ball down the field. Uh, We saw some of those size challenges that we talked about yesterday on the show as far as seeing Xavier Howard matching up against Drake London and seeing the safeties try to match up against Kyle Pitts and the challenges that that brought is something that was a different flavor than what the Dolphins really can afford when they're practicing against themselves. It was great to see Trill Williams out there. Uh, Trill Williams shed himself of the red jersey, uh, finally getting himself fully cleared for contact and uh, had a very physical rep against Kyle Pitts in a one-on-one situation. Um, But when it came down to the team stuff, uh, the other consistent themes were that the Dolphins uh, created a lot of pressure and forced a lot of throws underneath against the Falcons, a lot of check down throws, uh, a lot of not willing to throw the ball into traffic. Dolphins DBs did get their hands on a meaningful number of passes, uh, which I think is a win for the Dolphins. You, you had a uh, at least one interception. Verone McKinley jumped one down in a red zone period that would have gone back for six the other way. Uh, so the defense kind of living up to the expectation and standard that it has set as being the group that, has won if you're keeping score aggregate I believe some who have been on the beat for since they opened training camp uh, is was like five days to four in favor of the defense and the defense when it's dominated has had dominant days against the Dolphins offense and it's your same usual suspects now Christian Wilkins had a light day uh, yesterday and I think that's something that you're seeing the Dolphins between the signings of Perry Nickerson and uh, kind of being very deliberate with the guys who are in red jerseys like Brandon Jones, who spoke yesterday, and is chomping at the bit to get more. And Mike McDaniel was asked about him and said he'll have more this week than he had last week, but not as much as he'll have next week. And uh, load management is a very real conscious thing for this football team. We've, we saw that last year with how they geared up for the start of the season. Um, and you're seeing it once again. So for the Dolphins defensively, uh, seeing Christian Wilkins get a a lighter day of work uh, when you consider the torrid pace of which he plays the game and how many snaps he plays up front, I think is probably a wise decision to not unjustifiably run a guy into the ground. Though A guy like Christian Wilkins as well, I would say that guy doesn't need to play a snap of preseason football, especially with the practices. You have joint practices this week against Atlanta. You have joint practices next week against Houston. That work will be sufficient to get him ready to go. And there's a number of other guys on the defense side of the ball that I think you can make that argument for. Um, Now, I do think the complicating factor here is the fact that you have a new scheme defensively. So you may want some game plan situation reps. Um, But as far as you have three preseason games to get prepped for, I wouldn't feel too stressed to make it happen this week. I was encouraged to hear that you know the run defense was quite strong for the Dolphins as well. Jalen Phillips on the edge. Uh, there was one cutback run from what I was told by Cordell Patterson in which the second level didn't quite fit it up just right. Uh, that, that was a big run that popped uh, for Atlanta. But for the storyline of Atlanta's strength being their running game and their offensive line, the consensus that I sp- – had and the people that I spoke to was that the Dolphins controlled the front. The Dolphins were effective in coverage and forcing throws underneath. And that is the DNA of what you want to be. Now granted you're playing against a guy who's got only a handful of starts in Desmond Ritter. And everybody's seen the Xavier Howard. I don't know who that is, uh, in the post practice media scrum. Uh, but it brings up a good point in that X said, you know, we, we didn't really watch tape to get ready for these guys. We just kind of came to practice and played. And I think that storyline in itself is something that I'm highly interested in. Maybe not so much for the defensive side of the ball, because my expectations are the defensive side of the ball is going to continue to thrive with, with how good we think that unit's going to be, but rather on the offensive side of the ball for today's practice versus yesterday's practice, which, uh, from all accounts, was less efficient than what our expectation for this team and the standard that this team has set for itself uh, should be. So that is what we're going to explore next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. August is here, and you know what that means. It is the official start of Fantasy Football Draft Month. Get championship ready for your hometown league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy. I love the best ball format, personally. Uh, All you have to do is one live snake track. There's no waivers. There's no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup for you each and every week. It takes some of the uh, manager margin of error out of the game. Which is really nice. Uh, you could try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time, is back and even better with fifteen million dollars. Now we're not talking Mega Millions jackpot, which somebody in the state of Florida just hit on last night, but still fifteen million dollars, and three million of that is going to a grand prize winner at the end. And last year's winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit UnderdogFantasy.com. Or find them in the App Store to sign up with promo code LOCKED ON to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code LOCKED ON.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: So offensively, the Dolphins, the consensus was uh, the Dolphins still had explosive plays. They manufactured explosive plays. But the efficiency of the passing game was not to the standard of what this team is expecting of themselves. And Jalen Waddle said as much uh, after practice, he said, we started slow, felt like mid-practice we kind of. Picked it up and kind of found our groove, but well, practice is a learning experience, and we'll go from there. So I think there's a couple uh, issues with the Dolphins' offensive side of the ball uh, that I think you acknowledge in in this kind of intersection of where you practiced on Tuesday and what your expectation for practice is and was. And it, it first of all, it's it's okay to be challenged. Uh, by a new team and a new experience, and it's the first taste of that. So if you as a timing-based offense um, find some unexpected hurdles that come with that, I understand why that happens, right? Um, But this is also a team that uh, I think has some personnel challenges with evaluating I'll say it right now. I don't think 74 is in the starting lineup for the Dolphins in week one. I have a really hard time seeing that pathway be the case because it was a problem we get against Atlanta. And it's been a problem. We know what the tape looks like. But when Teron Armstead has his own workload management in the way that he does, and that interrupts who is playing left tackle when you're trying to figure out left guard, That is a storyline that you can't help but be a little worried about. Now, I I think it's a good reminder of what this offensive line could and would look like if Teron Armstead misses time. And that, of course, has been a staple of his career, is is missing at least a handful of games. Now, the majority of the time, he's playing 12, 13 games. But those four games, you're going to have to have a plan. And is the plan Isaiah win at left tackle? Is the plan Isaiah win at left guard and Kendall Lamb at left tackle? And I understand you're in the process of figuring all that out, but it does make the evaluation more challenging uh, when you don't have 72 serving in a role that law of averages says he's going to play for 12 or 13 games this year. And it's not an excuse. Uh, I, I think if anything, it's something that it might serve as a reminder for this Dolphins team. Y'all might want to get another tackle and you know, And if you had to put it down on the table right now and say, well, would you rather spend the money on Dalvin cook? Or would you rather spend the money on another tackle? It's really fascinating because you think about some of the Shanahan tree stops elsewhere across the league. San Francisco is a great example. Uh, the green Bay Packers are a good example of this too, with Matt LaFleur. A lot of their offensive linemen, they, the, the, a lot of those offensive lines, they have a handful of staple players and then the rest of it is kind of piecemeal together. So let me. I'll pull this up. We'll do the 49ers first. San Francisco, obviously, has Trent Williams. He's the best offensive lineman in football, bar none, for my money. The rest of that offensive lineman, Jake Brendel at center. Aaron Banks was a second round pick in 2021. Playing like it played like an adequate starter last year. You had a fourth round rookie last year in Spencer. Buford Buford excuse me who won that job and they let Mike McGlinchey walk in favor of Colton McKivitz, who was a fifth round pick in 2020 so you have a second round pick a Jake Brendel was drafted um was originally an undrafted free agent so you have an undrafted free agent a second round pick a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick to go with Trent Williams as your staple player. You think about Green Bay, and they have David Bakhtiari, who is a staple, was a fourth-round pick, but one of the better left tackles when he's healthy. Now, health's been a big issue for the last couple of years. Elton Jenkins, who, for my money, is one of the better offensive linemen in football. He was drafted in the second round of 2019. Then you have Josh Myers, who's a second-round pick at center, competing with Jake Hansen. Uh, for one of those spots on the interior. Myers will win that job because of his draft capital. John Runyon's a sixth, sixth round pick. Zach Tom projected starter is a fourth round pick. The ideology of the offense isn't really rooted in spending big on a lot of offensive linemen. So for us to continue to take the exceptions that we do with the offensive line, I get it and I agree with it. But is the ideology of this system more so the way that we play the game is going to protect us and we want to have the elite players with the ball in our hands? Now, Green Bay is a rare example of their pass catchers are all first and second year players. And I wish I was exaggerating, but I'm not. Christian Watson, second round of 2022. Romeo Dubs, Dobbs, whatever it's being pronounced as right now. Fourth round pick in 2022. Jaden Reed, second round pick in 2023. Samari Torre, seventh round pick in 2022. Dontavian Wicks, fifth round pick in 2023. Grant DuBose, seventh round pick in 2023. Like the entire six wide receivers projected to make the roster are first or second year players. Oh, by the way, tight end, you have two rookies that were drafted in the first three rounds of this year uh, as well. Now they're paying big on on, uh, Aaron Jones, just like the 49ers are paying big on Christian McCaffrey. So if you look at those other stops and you ask yourself, okay, would you rather go out and get into the tackle to be prepared for life without Toron Armstead for a month throughout the course of the season? The other Shanahan tree coaches and their teams would indicate the team's more likely to spend on a running back than they are to spend on another offensive line. Not that there's a lot of great options out there anyway, right now, but it's, that storyline for me is you, you're getting a look at, in my mind right now, um, at a handcuffed version of your offensive line, and it's not making an excuse. It, it's simply pointing out it's there's the context there to why when you get into the red zone, the consensus was the Dolphins got punched in the mouth. Uh, that's not where you want to be, and that's not anybody's expectation. So I'm eager to see how the team goes into uh, Wednesday when you watch the tape from the practice and you make adjustments because you understand how they they came after you, what do you do differently? And the other thing that I think about with uh, practices in general, especially the first team, is from all consensus, Mike White did not have a good day of practice and Skylar Thompson did not have a good day of practice and Tua was not his usual crisp self the 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 consensus was the ball hit the ground more against atlanta for Tua than it did against the others but it's also a matter of the amount of reps that you get if you're looking at the ones you've played maybe 20 minutes of a actual 60 minute football game with your first team offense in practice so what does the bounce back look like on Wednesday, you've had a chance to kind of adjust a little bit. What did the next 20 minutes worth of reps with your first team offense look like versus the Falcons defense? Cause right now the, the first day probably played like a 10, 10 first 20 minutes. So there's five minutes left in the first half and it's 10, 10. Okay. It's not where you would love to be. You'd love to be up 21 to nothing, but it's an area to say, okay, now you kind of got a feel for how they're playing you. How do you adjust? You're getting into that middle eight of a football game, which is a critical component of winning the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes, of the second half. What do you do with that opportunity? And I think what the Dolphins offense does with that opportunity is probably going to determine how they choose to address the game on Friday. Because if they don't play well, again, If the timing is still an issue, I was also told the Dolphins ran the ball better than they have most days against the Dolphins' front. That's good. And they also had explosive plays. They just weren't efficient. So if you create explosive plays and you run the ball well, okay, there's there's things to pick from that, that you can get excited about. But now it's putting it all together. And if the Dolphins come out after reviewing Tuesday's practice, and they practice strong against the Falcons on Wednesday. I think that puts you in a position where you probably go into the game and Scholar Thompson plays a half and Mike White plays a half. And Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill don't play. I don't think Tyreek Hill should play in general. Probably not Jalen Waddle either. But I could absolutely see the starting offensive line playing. Some of these guys have to play. Now, Teron Armstead won't play. Connor Williams, you can make an argument, wouldn't have to play, but you need to evaluate Dan Feeney at left guard. So who's the other center? you going to evaluate Dan Feeney at left guard with the San Diego State kid playing next to him? Or is Connor Williams going to play a quarter football and you're trying to develop your chemistry on your offensive line for, again, what that scenario is going to look like for presumably a month at any point throughout the stretch of the season when you don't have Tron Armstead? And that's assuming you don't have Tron Armstead, but you don't have Tron Armstead right now. And you need to be prepared for that because you were faced with that scenario last year. So if they practice strong on Wednesday as the bounce back from a reviewing and the next 20 minutes, and I'm using air quotes for those of you who are listening on the podcast, the next 20 minutes of a 60 minute football game worth of reps with your first team offense versus the Falcons first team defense. You separate and you score three touchdowns and feel like your defense performed at the same level. Now, all of a sudden, instead of 10, 10, it's 31, 13 as an example. And at that point you say, okay, we saw what we need to see. You made the adjustment. You may need to make the preseason game is just going to be lower and lower half of the roster evaluation portion with a few exceptions. I think several of your starters on the offensive line, most notably 73 and 74 um, are going to need to play because they need the reps. But if you don't have the bounce back on Wednesday, if you don't have a consensus, more efficient performance, then I think you can make the case for the the starters to play a quarter against the Falcons. And you hope to see the last 15 to quote-unquote 20 minutes of the first team make the jump that you were hoping they would have made throughout the course of day one to day two of practice. But I think you have to look at the entire week against Atlanta is 20-minute blocks because from a snap and volume perspective, that's probably close to where you are in 11-on-11s. Is each day is about twenty minutes worth of reps in an actual game setting? Because you got to get sixty reps, sixty to seventy snaps, fifty-five to seventy snaps, really. Uh, so that's that's where the offense is in my mind. It's not great. It's not the standard that they have set. Is it something I'm worried about after one day of practice? No. Will I be irritated if you get out of Wednesday's practice? I call the same people back and they say, "Yeah, man, you all, the ball is on the ground a ton." Yeah, I will be. So I've had a lot of thoughts. That's why I waited until this morning. It's about 8 a.m. Uh, to record this because I, I wanted to talk to everybody. I wanted to digest it. I, I really wanted to give the, the perspective that I can give without watching the practice myself. We have some news as well out of this practice that we will cover uh, as we get ready to put this episode of Locked On Dolphins to bed. So, Stick with us.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: We did see a potential injury of note uh, for the Dolphins. Braylon Sanders, wide receiver, uh, went down uh, with a, a leg injury. Uh, During yesterday's practice, uh, it was reported that he uh, had to get taken off on the cart. Uh, Super unfortunate circumstances for a second-year player who's in a dogfight trying to make this roster. You're obviously hoping for the best, but uh, the cart can be ominous. Now, sometimes the cart is nothing, and I'm going to keep the same energy that I did with Jalen Ramsey and say, well, let's wait and see. Let's wait for the official report. But the cart, you at least acknowledge the cart's presence, as a part of the Braylon Sanders injury and him already probably being look, let's be honest. It's Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Braxton Berrios, who I think is the three right now. Uh Robbie Chosen, Eric Ezukanma, River Craycraft was with the twos on the death chart. Mike McDaniel came out after practice or before practice and said his nemesis is preseason death chart. So take it with an absolute great assault. Case in point, the Atlanta Falcons on their death chart, Bijan Robinson's the third string running back. So uh, they're put together because they have to be put together. Uh, I would not read too much into it at this point in time. Now, I think there's some context clues for certain things. um, But I I, I think you, you find yourself in a position where Braylon Sanders, at best, was probably wide receiver seven. It's a long shot for seven receivers to make the team. Now, Hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully it's a tweak. Hopefully he can get back and play in the preseason so he can make a case for himself to make the roster and then the Dolphins can make the best decision that they possibly can. Uh, but that is worth acknowledging on Atlanta side of things. Clark Phillips, uh, rookie out of Utah went down. He needed the card as well. Hey, coach Arthur Smith said he got kicked and that they would do further testing. And hopefully that's nothing for, for Clark Phillips. Who's a really fun player out of Utah undersized corner, probably a nickel only in the NFL, but really good instincts. Uh, played above his weight class, but the durability was a question because of his size and stature. So uh, those were the the notables from an injury perspective. Mike McDaniel did say that we should expect to see Teron Armstead at Wednesday's practices in some of the, some of the team drill settings. So that's something that we can all be excited for uh, because the presence of Teron Armstead changes the evaluation of the offensive line in its, in its totality. And you kind of get a look at, okay, instead of Kendall Lamb or Isaiah Wynn, you can have Teron Armstead here. And now you can really play the game. What does Teron Armstead, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams look like? I know Connor Williams, it was reported in uh, some of the one on one stuff, uh, just struggled with, with size and anchor. And that's not really a big surprise because Connor's not a big dude as a center and, and centers historically. Uh, if you put a guy directly in their face, as compared to them being a bumper for an A gap for a guard, uh, a lot of those guys can't anchor. So I'm not surprised to hear that he got tagged with power yesterday. Um, that's one of those ones where the the and Robert Hunt said it uh, last week too. You know, they, we hate offensive linemen. We hate one on ones uh, because it's as far from the environment that you actually play in as possible. So um, I'm excited to see Tron Armstead. Uh, and the impact that he has on the Dolphins, but encouraged to hear, again, the consensus was the Dolphins ran the ball pretty well yesterday. and They still created explosive plays. The, the timing was just wrong. Tua had an interception in the red zone uh, by linebacker Troy Anderson uh, in 11-on-11 drill. Uh, so you obviously want to keep the ball out of the other team's hands, especially throwing down in the scoring area. So uh, that will be what I am watching. And that will be what I'm eager to hear. Now, I have seen some of the plays, uh, courtesy of those of you who are risking it all at Dolphins practice to break out your cell phones. And you saw some of the bright moments. Uh, I think the throw to Braylon Sanders on a go ball by two and one on ones was a dime. Uh, I thought the ball to Raheem Mostert, who was split out wide. Running downfield against middle of the field, closed coverage, stacking a linebacker in the process was a dime. It was probably a touchdown. Uh, Robbie Chosen had a nice catch over the middle. So you saw these really high flash moments, but you get into 11 11, particularly where the area, the the field was condensed and you were just inefficient and your timing was off. So how do they bounce back? That's the storyline for me offensively. I want to see the defense turn up the intensity uh, another bit. I'm eager to see if they get Christian Wilkins back fully involved in practice and him to tear some stuff up uh, as well. So that's what I am looking for on today's practice. I will be in touch uh, with the people that I had the, the fortunate opportunity to speak to. I will be scouring the timeline just like many of you. And I will bring you all of my thoughts in the aftermath of Wednesday's joint practice between the dolphins and the Falcons plan accordingly. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, make it a great rest of your day
1: and fins up.